Welcome in to your fourth episode of BNB Sports Podcast. We have an action-packed show for you uh, today. We're going to obviously talk about the NBA playoffs and how we see those uh, going moving forward. And we're going to also um, talk about some MLB uh, postseason award races. Uh, like I said last time, we're about one-fourth of the way through, so we're going to talk about who we see uh, coming out with those awards at the end of the year, whether it be the MVP or Cy Young for both leagues. And we're also going to uh, dive into a little bit of NFL uh, free agency. But first, Ben, we're going to start uh, where we normally start, and that's uh, the NBA playoffs. We've had two games in each series of the NBA playoffs. In the East, uh, the series is 2-0 Boston going back to Cleveland, and then uh, as we saw last night, the Rockets were able to tie that series up 1-1, and they'll be going back to uh, Golden State on Sunday. Uh, you know, last night was a big win for the Rockets. You know, you feel like if you go down 2-0 there, the series is basically over going back to Golden State down 2-0. But now, uh, 1-1, yeah. we saw them improve on a, on a lot of things. Uh, what did you take from the first two games? of that Western Conference final. I mean, it it's going I think it's going to be a good series. I think the Rockets came out and proved to to make a point that they can play with the Warriors and that game 1 was not going to be how it was going to go all series long. <laughs> um I think the most statement they made in game uh game 2 is they they passed a little bit more than they did in game one, obviously, but they, they still stuck to their, their game plan. They didn't change their style of play to try to. That being the Rockets, yeah. Yeah. They just, they just, they're still being the Rockets. They still do a lot of pick and rolls, a lot of isolations and shoot a lot of threes. And that's what they've done all year long. And that's what's gotten them to this point. So it seemed to work last night. I think one of the, also I was talking to you, I've talked to you about this before. <clears throat> I think one of their, the things they've been doing best in this series is uh, attacking Steph Curry and making him play defense on the main ball handler with the, they're getting screens to set him to get him switched over to either whoever's handling the ball, CP three or Harden and they're going at him. So that I think they're, I don't think he, I don't think it'll be a one for eight shooting for him often, but I don't think he's going to be able to be as effective as he normally is if they can, if they're able to keep going after him like this. Cause I think they're, I think they're making him a little bit exhausted coming onto the offensive side and they're picking him up early on when they play defense against him. So, I mean, they're, they're trying to wear down Stephen Curry. I think they've come to the realization that Kevin Durant's going to, he's going to get his, he's going to, average yeah. probably like five points a game this series and there's nothing they can do about that but curry and more and more so thompson because curry eventually will get his points too because i mean Curry's the greatest shooter in the history of the game but really it's about shutting down the the splash brothers as, as effective effectively as you possibly can for them going forward and they did a good job yeah. with that yesterday and they did a good job about curry in game one as well but St- uh, obviously clay thompson went off in game one so that I mean, going yeah, forward, the, that's what you need to do. Yeah, and the Warriors they they have a bunch of weapons that that are they can throw at you. Their, their biggest matchup in this series is also obviously Kevin Durant. 
Um, he's a ma- he's a matchup problem for most teams, and uh, the Rockets are included in that. I mean, he gets what he wants. He's seven foot. He he can drive. He's got decent handles. He's got a shot. Like there's not much you can do um, with him. Now, one thing that I think is happening is he's really all he's contributing is scoring at this point. You know, last night uh, he had no assists, so that means that the ball wasn't moving as well as we normally see uh, the Warriors move the ball. And I think that was due in large part to uh, the Rockets' defense. I mean, they were they've been good defensively all year long, like you said. They're they're trying to force and get a matchup issues with with Stephen Curry on the defensive end because as good of a shooter as he is he is a weakness a bit uh, on the on the defensive end um we saw him fall to his to his uh butt several times last night uh no matter who he was guarding so he's not very good defensively so I think they're they're realizing that um but you're going back to Golden State here and and it's one to one, and if you're the Rockets, you gotta feel all right, considering you looked terrible in Game One and you looked a whole lot better in Game Two. But also, if you're the Rockets, you know you worked all season long to get home court advantage, and just in one game, all that fell apart. So um, you have to go and get one of these two. I think me and you would both agree on that, and I think they can, but it's gonna be a challenge. You know, uh, the Warriors have not lost at home yet um, this postseason. Uh, and so it's tough. That's a tough place to play and a very tough team to play. Uh, and I don't expect Curry and Thompson and Green. I mean, I think Green will have trouble this whole, whole series, especially when he's being guarded, uh, by Capella, but I don't expect Stephen Curry and Thompson to do as bad as they've, they've done in game two. Uh, they combined for 24 points, uh, combined, which, for them, it's not very good. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm still going to take the Warriors probably in six games, but uh, the Rockets did what they had to do last night, and they got a must win. And uh, so if they can still want it in uh, Golden State out of the next two, then then uh, we'll see what happens from there. Absolutely. One more, one other point to make is, uh, as I've heard a lot of people saying that the reason they don't think the Houston Rockets can compete is because it took game game two – um, what PJ Tucker having a phenomenal almost career night, almost you could probably say, and Gordon shooting lights out. And I mean, yes, those two things did happen, but I mean, if you look at the score, they had this game wrapped up. They didn't need PJ Tucker to go off like he did. I think, I mean, obviously it helped, but it, it wasn't like it didn't make that much of a difference. They still won by what was it, 22 points, which is how many points he had. So without even without his points at all, they. They are at least tied and going to overtime. And then, I mean, James yeah. Harden is James Harden and uh, CP3, honestly, they had very poor shooting nights themselves, which I don't think will continue either. So just moving forward, that's just something. Yeah, I, but I think when, when the ball sticks with Harden too much, like it did in game one, yes, he gets his numbers. But, uh, you know, and, and part, of, part of the Rockets offense is going to be isolation, and that's going to be a big part of it. But you don't. One thing that the, that the Rockets did good last night that they're going to have to continue to do, especially if they want to steal a game in Golden State, is you got to get out in transition against this Golden State Warriors team. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of like, kind of like, and we'll talk about this too, but the Cavs too, you don't want to get, I mean, the Warriors are a very good half court defensive team. Um, and you don't want to get 
your half court offense. You know, you want to get out into transition and really beat them. And and that's how they that's how they won that game last night. I mean, you can talk about the shooting, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. The fact of the matter is, they forced turnovers early, got out in transition early, and really set a tone. And and that's what they're going to have to do because I think winning a, winning a game at Golden State is going to be possible, but it's going to be hard. And and you can't. I mean, I think me and you both agree if they don't at least pick up one of these next two, then down three one, they're not coming back. Uh, so we'll see. It's, it's definitely been a good series and the fact that it's tied 1-1 but neither game has really been close you know the first half of game one was kind of close but then third quarter golden state took control so i I think that these next couple games will be closer games i don't i don't think they'll be blowouts like the first two and it's just going to be who hits their shots down the stretch and who executes their their game plan the best that i feel like is going to come on top and i'm still going to go with the the warriors in six but uh, like I said, if the if the Rockets can steal one of these games, either Sunday night or Tuesday night, uh, then we might be talking a different story. Um, but I think uh, they've made a series out of it. And and for people who've been watching the Western Conference over the past couple of years, you know, the Warriors have kind of ran through it. So at least they've made a series out of it for now, and we'll see moving forward. But let's move on uh, over to the Eastern side where the series has not been as close. Uh, it's two and zero, Boston, and really neither game was close. Uh, you know the Cavs had a had a lead in game two. Uh, you know going into halftime, but you know, they just they don't they look disinterested. They don't look they don't play as a team. A uh, bunch of blaming, pointing fingers, and then you have the Celtics who may not be as talented or. I think they're more talented, but they don't have the. I mean, LeBron James is the most talented, but uh, you have the the Celtics who are just a better team right now. Do you still believe? Because you was on record last show saying that even if Boston won both games, you would still pick Cleveland. But after watching the way they won both games, are you still of the belief that Cleveland will win this series? Ah, uh, I'm getting less sure <laughs> to be honest. I'm going to stick with my gut and I'm still going to say I'm going to still cl- go with Cleveland until I can see uh Boston do something on the road because I mean other than that one game what was game 3 in Philadelphia they've looked pretty they've looked terrible on the road this playoff these playoffs uh yeah so I mean, obviously, and that's a result of having a young team. I think. Too. Yeah, obviously, uh, absolutely. But I expect the Cavaliers to come back home. I expect them to defend their home court, obviously. And then when it comes down to it, I think they'll win both games in Cleveland. Um, I just, I know you can just say if the home team always wins and the Celtics win the series because they get Game Seven. But I just, if it goes all the way to a Game Seven like that, I can't bet against LeBron James, and I'm guessing that. Cleveland will find a way to defend their home court and force it to seven, maybe. And then I just think, uh, well, LeBron's going to be LeBron, so I'm still sick. Of- yeah, I mean, they got to have the, they got to have these next two. Uh, if you're the Cavs, you got, I mean, you have no choice, um, you know. But I don't, I don't want to bet against LeBron because I think he can do it. But right now, Boston just looks like a a better team. Uh, they play well together. And you know who they remind me of? A very young version of the Spurs. They they play well together. They move the ball. They they're not selfish. They 
you know, love their guys. They don't – the ball never sticks at all. You know, it's always moving. They're always looking for the best shot they can get. And then defensively, man, they've been doing it all year long. They just get after it on defense. And they proved the other night, albeit at home, that, man, LeBron can go off and they can still beat this team. I mean, LeBron, when I knew that the, the Boston was going to win this game, game two, when LeBron had 22 points in the first quarter and they were only up by four points at the end of the first. I was like, that's LeBron played just about as good as he could in the first quarter and they were still only, only up, you know, four points. And LeBron had all but four of their points in that quarter. So, they just, man, they they don't play well as a team, that being the Cavs. And these Celtics are tired of being disrespected. They've heard it, you know, that they're, even though they're the home team, they're not the favorites. They've heard they can't beat LeBron, blah, blah, blah. And they're absolutely not scared of LeBron. LeBron is an absolutely great player. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to change and go Celtic in five, in five games. I think, uh, I think they'll be. I think they'll split with the Cavs. I think they'll win Game Four and Five. Um, hope I mean, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but they just right now, unless something changes over this long break, which it could. LeBron James is still on the Cavs. Uh, right now, that the Celtics just look like they want it more. I don't know if you was watching Game Two, but easy plays that the Cavs could have got, whether it be rebounds or or just going after the bar, just playing defense. They're not all there, and they're not playing well, and 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 Boston's really taking advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the Celtics have a hundred percent looked like the better team this whole this these two games. Um, and it doesn't look good for the Cavs, but I mean, I I'm sticking. Like I said, I'm gonna stick with the Cavs. Like I said before, this Celtics team. I mean, they're young. And they don't have a superstar really, and they play almost, I could say, terrible on the road in these playoffs. I mean, their game, uh, game three win against Philadelphia is their only road win, and uh, I mean that that's a good comeback too. And then that, and then that game, and that was more of the, the Philadelphia 76ers collapsing in that in that game than the Celtics winning it, in my opinion. So just because of that, I think the Cavaliers will find a way, and after these uh, getting a couple days off to regroup and everything like that, they'll come back out. They'll win both games in Cleveland. Go back to Boston, maybe steal a game, but if they don't steal that game, they'll win Game Six at home, and then Game Seven, never betting against LeBron. So yeah, it's going to be tough. Something's going to have to change, and it's not just LeBron like going off because he had. A forty, what four point triple double in game two, and normally you see LeBron do that. It ends in a Cavs victory. He did all that, and the Cavs still lost by thirteen points. Yeah, they gotta get. Uh, they gotta find some production so, outside of LeBron and uh, Kevin Love. Kevin Love played well too uh, in game two. He had twenty two points and fifteen rebounds on like fifty percent shooting, I think. So, but they gotta find yeah. someone outside of the two of them because obviously. The, the Celtics are too talented of a team to be beat by two players. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't agree with their coach a lot of times. I know I'm not an NBA coach, and he is, and whatever. 
he knows basketball better than I do. But how do you – I don't know. I, I just don't agree with his, the rotations that he's been putting in there. Uh, how does how does Jordan Clarkson, who when he was with the Lakers, he was a 15-point scorer, so he's capable of giving you buckets and he can get his own shot. Uh, how does he not play not one minute in game two? Um, you know, you got to get him going. So I think he's one of their – he's somebody that they have – that they don't have many people that can create their own shot. And he and Rodney Hood are two people that can outside of LeBron. So I think you really got to get them going. Uh, but we'll see. Game game three is not till Sunday, so definitely some time for adjustments. Um, but it's also a matter of Brad Stevens is just a genius, and he's probably the best coach that we have uh, maybe in all of basketball right now. He's just – man, just watching him coach is just fun for a basketball fan. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, game two of this ser- or th- three of this series is is Saturday, followed by game two, uh, three of the Warriors and the Rockets is on Sunday. So it should be fun, and and we'll we'll get to watch these games and talk about them next time, and we'll right. see. We'll you know we'll see where we're at next time. It'll be a good weekend, that's for sure. All right, and then we're gonna move on over to the MLB now. Um, we're about a quarter of the way through the season now. Uh, so we're gonna do some uh, award picking for the quarter of the week. Who we think we're gonna do it now? Um, we'll start with the uh, MVP for the AL and NL. Who you got, Matt? Oh uh, well, we'll start with AL. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with Mike Trout. Uh, he's probably the best player in all of baseball when you look at uh, being a five-tool player. He can do it all. Uh, he hits for for a good average. He hits home runs. Uh, he's a very he has a very good on base percentage. He plays very good defense and he steals bases. So he's definitely uh, the all around probably best player in all of baseball. And he's having another uh, great year um, with a with a surprising Angels team and and uh, you know he's batting it right at three hundred. Already has 12 home runs, 25 RBIs, uh, eight stolen bases already, uh, 440 on base percentage, and uh, you know his slugging percentage is good as well. Uh, so I don't think you can get in really. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people in the AL that's had good years, but when it's all said and done, uh, I think Trout will come out on top. I think he'll he'll be the most consistent and. Like I said, he can do it all, so you can't really uh, go wrong there. And then I'm going to go with a bit of a surprise pick in the NL and go Osdrubal Herrera. Um, He is a young uh, center fielder for the Phillies, who has been a surprise team doing doing really well. Uh, You know, he's batting 357 right now, only has six home runs. He's not really a home run top guy uh you know two stolen bases his own pace percentage is uh 42% uh you know and really playing good defense and really just uh leading that lineup that good young lineup and so i think he could be someone uh who at the end of the year you know if he keeps this up we could definitely be um talking about for for MVP honors yeah, um, I would say those are those are two good picks. 
Um, for my MVPs, I'll start in the AL as well. I'm going to go with uh, Mookie Betts, actually. I think he's been phenomenal this year. Uh, like you were talking about with Trout, five-tool player. So is Mookie. Um, one could argue right now that Mookie is doing better in every category. Well, not argue. You could just look at the stats and see that Mookie is doing better in almost every category except for uh, drawing walks. <clears throat> and at the leadoff spot, you don't really draw as many walks, to be honest. But So every, every, every other category outside of walks in because of walks, he, he, I mean, um, Trout has, I think, 20 more walks than Mookie, so he has a better on-base percentage too. But I think everything else, every other offensive stat, uh, Mookie leads him. And honestly, I think in OPS, slugging, average, home runs, uh, runs, and um, I think that's it. And it, all those categories, though, Mookie Betts leads the AL in every single one of them. <clears throat> and I think with this help in his lineup that he's gotten now with uh, J.D. Martinez being there, um, obviously Bogart's hitting a lot better. Um, Moreira's hitting a lot better. It's giving him a lot more protection below him. So uh, he's, being, he's seeing a lot better pitches, I think, than he did last year. He's looking back at his uh, MVP caliber player self. So I'm going to stick with Mookie Betts. He's just doing everything right now. He's stealing bases. He plays just as good as defense. He's just phenomenal. Um, for the NL, man, <clears throat> I've looked at this one for a while. Uh, I can, I have no idea who uh, who's going to come out on top on this. Um, for a while, I had been saying Bryce Harper. I think he turned around. He's still hitting home runs and RBIs and everything like that. But who knows when his teammates will come back and help him be able to see some better pitches. If it doesn't happen soon, no one's going to win MVP with an average like he has. I don't care how good his on-base percentage is still. If he's hitting like 230, I think, right now, he's not going to win it. Uh, so if I had to pick someone yeah. right now, <clears throat> I'm going to go actually with uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, he's playing just as well as he almost as he always does. He's a he's won an MVP before. Uh, he's doing everything well. He's hit eight home runs, 22 RBIs. He's hitting over 300, 430 on-base. <clears throat> and I think... Uh, he might. I think he's only got more to prove. He's still young. I think he just wants to. He'll keep on improving. And he'll get better and better as the year goes on too. So I'll go with Chris Bryant. So who you got for your Cy Young, Matt? Yeah, and well, I'll go. Uh, we'll start in the NL this time, and I'm gonna go with a surprise pick. I, I know already know who you're gonna pick, but I'll let you um, kind of discuss that. And you can't go wrong with with the guy that you're gonna pick. But I'm going to go with a, the surprise pick and go with Sean Newcomb. Uh, now, right now, his numbers, uh, well, ERA doesn't look, you know, as good as some, a few, you know, he's still top 10 in the NL, um, but it's, I mean, it's still really good at 250 ERA. Um, but he is a young pitcher who the Braves gave up a lot for, someone that they thought uh, would come over and be a Cy Young uh, caliber pitcher eventually. And he's finally starting to show us um, that over his last 20 innings pitched, um, he has he has given up zero runs. So the ERA has come down a good bit from where he struggled his first couple of starts a little bit. Um, zero runs, earned runs in his past 20 innings pitched. Only six hits 
in that uh, that time frame and 20 uh, strikeouts in that time frame. So really good. He's really turned it on of late and really starting to show what type of pitcher he can be. And I think if the Braves um, start to or continue to stay at the top of the NL, right now they currently have the best record in the NL. And I think if he can become an ace and really lead that staff and keep his ERA around where it is now and, and you know, win, you know, maybe uh, 15 or 20 games, uh, he is someone who who could be a dark horse in that race. Um, and, again, in the AL, you kind of took the obvious choice uh, with your pick. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Luis uh, Severinto from the, from the Yankees. Um, they're having a really good, good season and he's, he's, uh, leading that, uh, that rotation, um, with a six and one record, uh, right at just over a two ERA. And, uh, you know, he has 70 strikeouts and 59 in his pitch. So, uh, the media and baseball world is, is itching to give the Yankees some more awards. Uh, and I think, Luis Severino will um, will give them that that opportunity. I think he's going to continue to have a good year, and I think if he does that, he could uh, win the Cy Young when it's all said and done. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, those are two 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 good dark horse picks. Absolutely. Um, like you said, I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm picking the the dominant pitchers of the past. Uh, what? 10 years even. Uh, I'm going with the NL. I'm going to go with uh, Max Scherzer. He's won the past couple. <laughs> and it's like, when do you remember him not winning yeah. a Cy Young, either in the AL or NL? Um, but he's pitching phenomenal still. Uh, got a 1.69 ERA. Struck in, he struck out, um, what, 91 pitch, uh, players or so far. He's got a 7-1 record and a 0.82 uh, WIP. So I mean he's been he's looked like his uh his normal self and his normal self wins him uh, wins Cy Young awards so I'll stick with uh, Scherzer there in the NL. Uh moving over to the AL. <clears throat> um I'm going to pick a, a former teammate of Max Scherzer actually. Um he had a couple years down since he was dominant but it seems coming back to Houston coming to Houston I mean has really revitalized him in Justin Verlander. I mean, he's got a, he's working his way to a sub one ERA this far into the season, which would be outrageous. He's five and two, 84 strikeouts, a 0.71 WIP. I mean, he looks better than he did in his uh, dominant years in Detroit and his dominant years in Detroit were some of the best we've seen in a long time, obviously since he won a MVP award while he was over there. So I mean, he just—I don't yeah. know—I don't know what it is about Houston. I mean, just Houston, the pitchers in Houston in general. They come. Uh, Garrett Cole came over. He looks better than he ever did. Charlie Morton looks better than he has ever has. I don't know what they got going on down there, but they must have a good pitching coach or something because all three of those guys are phenomenal. Yeah, and I'm picking Verlander to win the Cy Young over there. Yeah, and those two picks are kind of your your obvious picks, you know, two guys that are really uh, pitching at the top of their game and have done it uh, for a while. So if the season were to end, you know, today, uh, both of those guys could very well be your Cy Young 
Um, but I think that maybe baseball will look to give it to some new faces this year. And I think if, I mean, if, if somebody has just a dominant year and they continue that, then you can't really argue against it. But if it becomes close and, and these young guys, both of the guys I mentioned for Cy Young are both 24 years old. You know, if, if it's close and say Sean Newcomb continues to really pitch like he, he has over his past 20 innings, like I said, uh, then they may, they may give it to someone new just to, Kind of like we talked about the NBA, you know, they, the NBA is kind of tired of, of LeBron winning it and you could give him a case every year, but, uh, they, they tend to, if somebody's close to him, uh, they tend to uh, go with someone new just for something, just to have uh, something new. So I think those two that I meant, the two that you mentioned are kind of the obvious, like if the season ended today, yes, would probably win. And the two I mentioned are like maybe dark horses to be looking out for. Um, so it should be interesting. Yeah, like you said, we're only at one fourth of the way through, so a lot could change. Um, especially with my picks, a lot could change between now and the end of the year. But uh, we'll see. It's good for baseball to kind of have some young guys and old guys both pitching well. So uh, it, it'll be an exciting uh, rest of the season, I believe. For sure. All right, now let's move on to something we hadn't talked about in in a couple of episodes, and that that would be uh, the NFL. Uh, believe it or not, we're getting pretty close to to some action. In fact, we're we're two voluntary team workouts, so we're through the rookie mini camp, and we're we're all already at the uh, voluntary full team workouts. Uh, you know, there's there's still some notable names that hasn't shown up with their team yet, but uh, we're moving toward uh, the summertime and really training camp, and then the preseason will be here before we know it, and uh, so looking back on this off season, what move or moves um, by a team do you think are the best and will have uh, the biggest impact come next season? Um, I'm going to actually go with the biggest move. I think we've had this, uh, this free agency period and with uh, Kirk Cousins signing with the Vikings. Um I mean, I know Kirk Cousins probably isn't like the top five QB in the league or anything like that, but I mean, he's a talented QB. Uh, he's never had a lot of help in Washington. Uh, they've been getting rid of receivers there. It's, Washington is just a mess, uh, has been a mess while they had him. Hopefully they turn themselves around eventually too. But I mean, he always he was always professional with them. He uh, He always played well. He had multiple 4,000-yard passing seasons with them. So he's a he's a talented QB, for sure. And I think uh, moving over to the Vikings is going to be huge for him. The Vikings have a phenomenal team already, so it's not like he's joining a building process. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship just last year. Uh, they have one of the best defenses in the league. They got uh, some good wide receivers for him to throw to. And uh, as a fan of football, I guess we're all hoping that uh, – Dalvin Cook comes back and is able to perform like he did in his couple of his limited playing time last year too. And if that's the case, I think adding, yeah, I think that if that's the case, just adding uh, Kirk Cousins, even though he's not one of the best, like top five QBs in the league, I think adding him makes them possibly one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So because of that, if you can ever make yourself one of the favorites for Super Bowls, I think you've had a good off season. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think they've definitely had a good offseason. Obviously, that's a good signing. Um, I would question if it's worth the money, uh, considering that 
you know, they had Case Keenum, who had a really, really good year and, and is really a similar quarterback in that he really – he's not really going to win you ball games by his play, but he's good enough and he's not going to lose you ball games by turning the ball over. And I thought they could have got him a lot cheaper. Uh, but Kirk Cousins is definitely a slight upgrade from that. And maybe they hope he'll get him over the top. And they added, you know, Sheldon Richardson from the uh, from the Seahawks too. So I think that was a big boost to their defense. Um, but when when you look at a team that I think has gotten gotten a lot better um, over, well, there's a couple. I'm going to go with a couple teams uh, with big signings. I really like. I'm going to start off with the Texans. I really like. Uh, the Tyrod Matthews uh, signing, I think they got him for a steal. I was, as a Panthers fan, I was really hoping that the Panthers would get him. And he was only $7 million a year, so uh, that's a steal, and he's a, a still a top safety in this game. And then also, um, you know, I look at what the Raiders did in getting uh, Derek Carr um, some weapons. Um, they signed two riders or they signed, uh, Jordy Nelson after he, uh, got released. I still think he, while he's not as good as he was, he still has a couple of good years in him. And then also, uh, trading for Martavis Bryant, uh, you know, was big. And then also getting Doug Martin and signing him, just getting, uh, Derek Carr some help. Uh, I think their new coach will be good for them too. John Gruden will help Derek Carr to take that next step to be a Pro Bowl quarterback that I think he's capable of. And so those are the, the two uh, that I look at as having, you know, good signings uh, this offseason. But, you know, we're talking about all these free agents that have signed, and there are still um, several good free agents um, still on the table, uh, whether it be Des Bryant or even Brashard. Uh, Breland, who was signed with the Panthers and failed that physical. Uh, Eric Reed, you know, uh, Trey Boston is still available. Um, you know, even Adrian Peterson still out there. And you have uh, DeMarco Murray uh, still out there. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about a few of those. And we'll start with Des Bryant. Where do you think Des Bryant fits the best? And where do you see him playing uh, next season? Oh man, Des Bryant is a he's an interesting uh case to follow right now. Um where do I think he would fit the best? Um if I had to choose one team, I'd actually probably go with uh the Patriots. I mean, I know it's an easy pick. I mean, the Patriots are just one of those teams that are seem to be able to bring troubled players in and make them perform to their best. Uh having Tom Brady throw to him would obviously probably help him. Um being coached by Bill Belichick might really uh uh like get him to focus a little bit harder and practice harder and work on his route running, which he doesn't seem to be great at. So I think that would be the best bit bet the best fit for him. My bad. Um, where do I think he'll play though? I mean, that's a tough one. Uh, they don't seem interested in signing him. Obviously, he turned down that deal from the Ravens. Um. From what I've heard, there's not that much interest in the player, uh, in him as a player. Um, maybe the, I know you mentioned it before. The uh, the Packers could maybe be a good fit. It might be a place where he ends up because they need some wide receiver help. 
Uh, maybe he'll sign for a small amount of money to try to prove himself in a one-year deal. So that's what I'd go with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's two, and you mentioned one of them. Uh, there's two places that I think one of the two he'll probably play at. Uh, and I'll go with the first one that you already mentioned, the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think that's probably the most likely place he'll end up. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers there, who would be the best quarterback by far that he's ever played with uh, and really can bring uh, the best out of him. Um, there's someone who lost uh, Jordy Nelson, um, and so they need another wide receiver there uh, that could help Aaron Rodgers out. And I still think there's a there's a chance that he ends up. I know they there's been reports that said they're not really interested, but I still think there's a chance that he ends up with the Redskins, even if it's if he has to really take a take a pay cut for that, um, because he wants to play the play uh, the Cowboys, um, and preferably twice a year, and obviously they do that. Uh, so I think those are the two. But yeah, there's just not a whole lot of whole lot of interest in him and somebody's going to get a steal when it comes down to it because I don't think he'll sign until right around training camp or maybe even preseason. It might be preseason until he signs um, yeah. somewhere. So somebody's going to get a steal. Uh, I'd probably say the Green Bay Packers would be my pick, um, like I told you before. But, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, he may end up – obviously Baltimore is interested. Um, and so he may end up go back there and say, you know, if you're able, if you're willing to make it a one-year deal, I'll sign here because um, they're really the only team that's shown a lot of interest so far. Uh, but yeah, they're the only yeah. team that actually already offers. So yeah, and it was a three-year deal. He didn't want a three-year deal because he wants to prove himself uh, in a one-year deal, and that's understandable. Um, the next case we're going to look at is an interesting case, and I think that we both know the reason why he isn't signed is because of his controversy on the field. And that is a very talented uh, safety in Eric Reed. And I'll I'll start off with him uh, since you started off with the last one. Uh, like I said, I think the only reason that he isn't signed right now is because of uh, kneeling with Colin Kaepernick uh, during the national anthem. I think that hurt him. And uh, I believe he said he wouldn't do it this year if he got signed somewhere. But teams, I guess, are still worried about signing him for some reason. But I think he fits perfectly in Dallas. Uh, they need secondary help, and a, a good safety like that could really uh, sure up their defense in the secondary. And uh, I don't know. I think if Jerry felt comfortable with it, uh, they would pull the trigger there. Um, so I think Dallas for him, uh, Eric Reed, uh, would, would be the obvious fit in, in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, um, 100%. I think Dallas would be the the best fit for him as well. Uh, they need a they obviously need a lot of help in the secondary. It's one of their biggest needs uh, right now. Um, and it would just really just be getting over the fact that he knelt with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I think it's kind of it's just I think it's almost childish to say that teams aren't signing him just because of that. Especially even you, you can be one way or the other on the how you feel about it. But he has come out and said that he's not planning on kneeling uh, this coming year. So, I mean, if that's the case, then what's the holdup still? So, Yeah, for sure. And then lastly, when it comes to free agency, we'll look at um, two 
kind of, I guess you could say, washed up a little bit, but may still have a, a little bit left in the tank. Running backs who still want to play next year. Uh, and Adrian Peterson, who I believe is 32 or 33, maybe. And then, but he showed flashes last year that he still uh, can run the ball effectively. Obviously, not as good as he used to. And then DeMarco Murray, who is only 30 years old, he um, he's also a free agent. So out of those two, um, which one would you rather have on your team if you were had a team, and where do you see both of them ending up? Uh, this is a tough one, too. Um, if I had to choose between the two of them, I'd probably take DeMarco Murray just because he's a little younger, uh, hasn't had the – extent of injury history that Adrian Peterson has. Um, AP showed that he can, he's still got a couple bursts, bursts lets in him, but other than that, like he was great a couple games, but then he was pretty non-existent in the, the rest of them. So just because I think that is just, that's hurting his chances. Um, DeMarco Murray, I think is just, I think the problem with both of these two players is just there's so many young running backs in the league right now. Um, I think I heard someone mention, I don't remember who it was, but someone I heard mention that there was like 15 running backs to enter the league this year, either through the draft or undrafted free agents. So, I mean, if you think yeah. about that, that's 15 running backs. That's like half the team is getting a new running back that's younger than doesn't have any miles on him that they would obviously choose over either of these two, even though these two are more proven, but they're proven like in the past. They obviously they've declined a little bit. So just because of that, I think neither, uh, it's going to be hard for both of them to find a place. Uh, I don't, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think AP finds a team in the league. Um, I think DeMarco Murray might be a good fit back in Tennessee. If he's willing to take a, a smaller role still. But yeah, it's yeah. it's not good. It's a uh, once you get hit thirty as a running back, your your options become very limited, to say the least. Yeah. So when we're looking at both of those, and I'm looking at both of them, I'm kind of with you. I'd rather have Demarco Murray. He's he's younger. He like you said, he hasn't been injured as much. Uh, you know, but Adrian Peterson is is still a big name, and I still think he will find somewhere. And you may disagree with this, um, but I think he will. Yeah, I think here's what happened with here's my prediction for AP, and we'll see. I think he signs with the Saints, you know, and plays four games, and uh, then they then they release him. Um, I think uh, he they have already shown a little bit of interest in his services. Uh, while if you remember, um, Ingram is out the first four games, he's suspended. Um, so uh, they don't really have a a back to go along. Uh, while he's out, and so uh, they've already come out and said they wouldn't be totally against it if he's for it. That's the only question. Uh, so if he does find a team, and him, I think there's a good chance, like you said, that he doesn't even find a team until maybe injuries happen, and then you could see somebody who's desperate for a, a running back come out and get Adrian Peterson. Uh, but if he does sign, find one for maybe a short term, I could see him going back to the Saints. Um and maybe fill in that role for a few weeks. Now, DeMarco Murray, I do think he will find somewhere. And I think there's two teams uh, that really stand out to me, and I think he'll he'll go to one of them. I think the the Detroit Lions um, are, is a team that, that they haven't had a 100-yard rusher in like the past few years. They're really looking for 
for depth in that backfield. And I'm pretty sure they drafted somebody, but uh, I can't remember his name. Um, but uh, and then the Seattle Seahawks, um, they they're not their running back situation is kind of iffy right now too. And so I think at the end of the day, when when it all said and done, uh, they'll go to one of those two teams. Uh, Demarco Murray will. But yeah, I'm with you on Adrian Peterson. I'm not really sure um, if he'll even find a place, at least for the for the time being. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I agree uh, with you. Actually, I didn't think about that one. I didn't think about the Seahawks for Demarco Murray. I think that would also be a good fit. Honestly, I mean, they did just draft that uh, Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny. A kid out of uh, San Diego State, but I mean, if Demarco yeah. Murray would be willing to go in and maybe be his, start off as his backup, and maybe if he doesn't pan out, maybe even get the starting job after a while. But yeah, that'd be a good. Yeah, because that need a running back. That running back position was a revolving door last year with injuries and just couldn't really figure it out. And and you know they tried A. Lacy and he didn't work out. Um, so I think one of those two, either the Seahawks or Detroit. Uh, would be my two um, picks for him, uh, but we'll see. There's and there's other there's other good uh, free agents that we we didn't have time to talk about. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro is still a free agent. Uh, you know, you got Trey Boston, like I said, still a free agent. So there's still a lot of we're getting to a time. You know, Navarro Bowman still a free agent. So we're getting to a time where these these players are going to have to take less uh, money, uh, but it's still still room uh, to improve your team in free agency for teams that that maybe want to get a someone on a one year deal that wants to prove themselves. But Ben, I think uh, we've we've ran out of time for today. Uh, again, we've enjoyed uh, talking to you today, and uh, we hope that you uh, share share our podcast and you listen. And if you do, then thank you. Uh, We'll look forward to coming back to you hopefully Monday or Tuesday of next week after uh, after game two after game threes are played and and you know we'll be another week into the into the baseball season so we'll see uh, how that shapes up and then maybe by the time we come back on air uh, some of these uh, people will be signed and we can talk about it so again thank you for listening and we hope you have a good uh, rest of the week.